0: Welcome to episode 110 of the Various Discovery Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Cemetery by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who successfully survived the snow apocalypse, John Scott
1: Sloat. I'm calling it Snowsgiving. Snowsgiving. Yes, because we were given a lot of snow, but it's kind of like a Thanksgiving break. That has happened right in the middle of our semester. So, yeah. snows giving. Yeah. So, we wiped out, what, three days of class? Wednesday, and... thir- Wednesday Thursday, Friday, like Thanksgiving does. There you go. There you go. Okay. Snow's giving. Yeah. Patent pending.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, did you have a specific plan of attack in clearing the driveway? Because I know that you tend to be on top of these kinds of things.
1: Yeah. So – I mean, this was all complicated by the fact that uh, my wife, Andrea, works at a hospital, has to go to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that day she was scheduled – Wednesday she was scheduled to be in Auburn, Indiana. For those of you who don't know, that's probably 45 minutes from my house in Columbia City. Yeah, on a normal day. That's probably right. Yeah, on a normal day. Um, So we went and stayed at my in-law's house there in Florida. So we stayed at their house in Fort Wayne, which is 15 minutes from there. We stayed there Tuesday night. I drove her up Wednesday morning. I worked from their house Wednesday, and then I went and picked her up and drove her back to Columbia City Wednesday evening. That took about 45 minutes. And then by the time I got home, or excuse me, that took about 90 minutes to get back. By the time we got home, uh, I got my car stuck in the driveway. <laughs> and, you know, backing up and going forward, I just packed all that snow down. Right. And so getting rid of it has just been, and it's still not clear, totally. Yeah. Like, it's drivable, mm-hmm. but it's not right. clear. So Okay. Waiting for Mother Nature to help out, or yeah, either that or next Saturday, I'll get out there with a hammer and chisel and <laughs> knock it all up. There so you go. that's there you go. that's the plan. Um, how how is your driveway? Is it clear? Uh, it is. Um, so uh,
0: we have a great arrangement with uh, our next door neighbor, who is uh, on the older side, and basically he's 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 got this. Like industrial grade snowblower, and he he worked. We've worked on an arrangement where he basically said, "Look, I've got this snowblower. You can just keep it in your garage. Use it whenever you want. All I ask is that you do my driveway too."
1: That sounds like a great arrangement.
0: It's a great arrangement. So I think on Wednesday I went out twice and blew the snow off, and then on Thursday I went out once. And then um, Friday, I went out around noon, I think, and, and just did it again. Did it again, and with the basically between that and a little a little bit of shoveling to get some of the stuff off, it it's it's clear. And the sun came out, which was why I was aggressive on Friday. To Friday to and get, Saturday, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And that helps. That helps a ton
1: when you don't have four inches <laughs> right. of packed snow on right. your driveway.
0: Yeah, right. So. In any case, um, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Twitter at VNSPod. Email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and on the YouTube channel as well. And I'll remind you that if you want to see the actual video of our live episode in chapel here at Grace College, you can find the video of that on our YouTube channel. We would love for you to go onto whatever platform and leave a review and a five-star rating yeah it's been a long time since we've had
1: we need a five-star rating yeah and yeah and a review quite honestly
0: so uh we will shamelessly ask for that uh again so well john let's jump into the world of sports uh this was our first weekend without nfl football since what first like last week of august
1: yeah that sounds right so it's been a minute
0: yeah yeah, and it, there's always a bit of sadness on my part. When I when when you get to a Sunday and there's no football, it's like, ooh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the Pro Bowl doesn't help. No, no, that doesn't count. Um I know what happened, but other than that, yeah. I'm I'm not sure I care. I don't know why that is. Like I watched the MLB All-Star game. Well, yeah. I
0: don't you think those because the nature of the game, like nobody wants to be there because yeah. nobody wants to risk injury yeah that's true in an exhibition game it doesn't mean anything
1: um, I think the Olympics helped me this weekend like having yeah. some Olympics that I could tune into and uh, I- engage with a bit
0: okay well we're gonna rely entirely on you because I did not watch a single minute of yeah
1: uh, of the Olympics yeah what do you what do you want to know do you want do you want a full breakdown <laughs> maybe just Maybe a half breakdown. Maybe just give me the highlights. Okay. So <laughs> opening ceremonies. Uh, Vlad was there. Okay. And was he wearing a shirt? Yes, yes. I think it was quite cold. Everybody okay. was was dressed uh, quite would, warmly. Wouldn't necessarily stop Putin from, sure. from going shirtless. Um, when Ukraine came by him, which if you pay attention to geopolitics yeah. is a problem, right? Yeah. When you came, Ukraine came by, he acted like he was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then when Russia came by, I mean, he's standing up, cheering, right. which, which you would expect right. a, a his yeah, country had yeah. a state to do. Yeah. you know, um, that was probably the big thing from that. I mean, it was there was also a piece where it was all about China and mm-hmm. uh, the people group that I'm not sure the Uyghurs. Uyghurs, how you is, pronounce
0: it? know, isn't spelled anything. It doesn't close look that.
1: like yeah. that at all. Yeah, um, it was very much about that. Yeah. Um, and NBC was clearly dealt a raw hand, yeah. Yeah. right? So they were dancing. I didn't realize they were going to have people there. So, like, Mike Tarico is there. In, in, uh, in China. In Beijing, yep. yeah. Um, so I, I, think, I think the world of Mike Tarico, I think he does a great job with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought he did really well. Um, he's a great replacement for, uh, for Bob Costas. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, I mean, really I've been watching a lot of curling. <laughs> the mixed doubles, which is like one, one male, one female – uh, curling, yeah. the Americans have not looked good. I don't think they're going to get out of round robin play. Mm. Uh, we're waiting for the American men to come back to defend their crown as gold medalists okay. uh, from four years ago. And then the big news is Sunday night, Monday morning in Beijing, uh, our golden child Michaela Schifrin, fell on her first slalom mm. run, and uh, okay. is it cannot compete for a for a medal in that particular competition. She has okay. several more coming, but right. There's your Olympic update in less than 2 minutes. Okay. All right. Um
0: I do think curling is fascinating. Um but uh it it's just weird to me. Like it it's it's a weird looking event,
1: right? Yeah, it's like a combination of bocce and shuffleboard on ice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um are are the uh are the Scandinavian
0: countries just dominating? Like they you would expect, you know.
1: Finland, um, Norway, Sweden—all those kind of. Norway has the most medals right now. Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing quite well. Okay. All but right. but early on, it's a lot of cross-country skiing, a lot of downhill skiing. Yeah. And I feel like that's tailor-made for the Norwegian person. Okay. So,
0: gotcha. Well, and we should give a shout out to our to our Finnish listeners. We we have a decent number of downloads from Finland.
1: Yeah, and and that's the, the other country I will root for yeah. in the Olympics. Yeah. All right, oh, um,
0: It's the fins? There you go. Um, I looked at the NBA standings. Looks like pretty much Cavs are still around fourth or fifth. Knicks are still twelfth. Yeah, 13th. they've really fallen off. But did you see the Cavs? They made a trade. Uh, yeah, Karis Levert. Levert. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, so that could be an interesting addition to them. It, it it's it, it's noteworthy that they're now like that's a move that you make if you think we could actually do a little damage in the playoffs. I don't think anybody's thinking. They could win an, an NBA title. No one's really thinking that. Yeah. But you pick up a guy like Caris Levert and you might think, we could make it to the second round. Yeah. And make uh, some noise. And see what happens. Yeah. Start building
1: towards that. Well, well, that's great for an organization that, uh, who's the guy out of Michigan they hired a couple of years ago? The coach. Oh, uh, Steve Beeline. Yeah. They hired Beeline, and mm-hmm. then that didn't Doesn't work disaster. out. So they fired him. You know, you, you would think, oh my goodness, this is a dysfunctional organization, but they really turned it around this season. They've done a good job of drafting
0: like, and not necessarily getting like the, you know, the biggest name college player in the draft, but, but picking up guys that work really well in the NBA.
1: Yeah, so, and contribute. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. Tell us, John, what's going on with the Major League Baseball lockout?
1: Yeah. The big news this week was that uh, the owners asked for a federal mediator to come in to mediate between them. This is also a move they pulled I think in 98. Uh-huh. And uh that led to the players getting hosed basically. And so the players have rejected that and now the owners are going on this PR stunt. We tried to bring in a mediator and the yeah. players didn't want it. So the players have responded with like we got a deal on the table. We we've made a suggestion. Why don't you make a counter offer? Yeah. And so th- things are getting heated. Uh I heard predictions this morning which, you know, in negotiations things can change quickly. Uh, that we're going to miss some regular season play potentially because they're just so far apart.
0: Well, typically what? The season begins like last week of March, beginning of April? Yeah,
1: like April – I think it's March 31st this year, okay. opening day. Maybe April 1st.
0: Yeah, running out of time.
1: Yeah, and you need like probably two weeks of spring training and maybe a week for free agency. So you need three weeks. You Minimum. need most, most of March.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that all shakes out. but And – uh College hoops, we're not quite at the point where things, you know, they're starting to heat up, but uh, still got a few weeks before conference
1: tournaments and Selection Sunday. So we got to get our bracket challenge. Together. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get that rolling. Yeah, we'll get that. rolling. That was fun last year. I mean, I won, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, says yeah. the man who won it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll, well,
0: we'll give you an opportunity to defend your title.
1: For somebody that oh. watches remarkably little college okay, basketball, but ha, yeah. you know That's not what it's about. It, yeah
0: it's not about who watches the most and knows the most. Like there there is you know, it's not purely random, but there's there's still plenty of um luck yeah. involved in, in picking these games. Yeah. So in any case. We are ready to move on to our main topic for today. And we are talking about an article that was uh, published, uh, an opinion piece in the New York Times by David Brooks, and it's entitled The Dissenters Trying to Save Evangelicalism from Itself. Mm -hmm.
1: And so, um, yeah. It's a very long article. It is. If you print it out, which is more difficult to do than people realize, <laughs> yes. uh, it takes up about 14 pages. Yeah. It's, and I think
0: uh, I heard someone say that in like the actual print, like newspaper
1: copy- Jr.: Three like three and a half pages, something yeah. like
0: that? Yeah. Which, that's, you know, that's that's a lot of space
1: yeah. uh, devoted to this. Which I didn't realize they still print newspapers, to tell you. <laughs> Just joking. Yeah. Okay, millennial. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, Mr. Millennial. Yeah. Um, so uh
0: so I I had texted you about this article and um we kind of went back and forth and uh, I, I we we eventually decided let's talk about this cuz I do think this is going to s- stir a conversation and uh and, and part of what uh um you know we we kind of envision part of what this podcast is is designed to do is talk about some of these kind of trends within evangelicalism
1: so um and and I think it's good to say out front I think we not fundamentally disagree but we, but we have some disagreement about this article
0: yeah I think so I think that's fair um so yeah let's uh do you want to try to give us um A summary
1: of... Oh, goodness. Um, So, he... uh, David Brooks. Yeah, maybe maybe start with, who is David Brooks? So, uh, he is one of the... uh, I'll call him more conservative writers at the New York Times.
0: That's probably fair.
1: Yeah, I think he's more conservative. Uh, I think he's historically conservative.
0: I don't know if I'd agree with that,
1: but... Um, But he's one of the more conservative authors at the New York Times. I'll agree with that. Uh, He has been on – he's an interesting person. Uh, He's been on an interesting journey. Uh, He – as it relates to faith, he's been friends with Tim Keller, as he mentions in this article, Mm -hmm. for I think a long time, who who, – been sharing the gospel with him, been been trying to Mm -hmm. convert him. And and as I read the situation, I know we disagree about this, or at least we have historically – I think he's somewhere on that journey uh, to uh, faith. So he has in recent years published a book where he talks about the marriage to his new wife, who's a Wheaton mm-hmm. grad. Um, talks about, uh, you know, but at the same time, we'll say things like, you know, depending on the day, I don't necessarily believe in the resurrection or th- yeah. things like that. Things mm-hmm. that are alarming for somebody of faith. Yeah. You know? So... Uh, but yeah, that's that's him, and he has more of an interest in recent years in writing about evangelicals. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. And yeah.
1: so, yeah, I think that's that's who David Brooks is. Okay. Yeah. Anything you'd add to to David Brooks there? I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think
0: you're more optimistic about his spiritual state than I am, but which which you kind of intimated. Yeah. Um, so, in any case, um, that I think it's at least fair to say. He is not an evangelical christian would you would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: so i and the reason I think that that's relevant to bring up in this conversation is he's not an insider writing about a movement he's a part of. Mm-hmm. I would not characterize him as that. no I don't so, th- I don't so, think he's an insider so no. this this is not like someone who's like, I grew up in an evangelical church. I believe in in you know the Nicene creed and 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 I have these issues with evangelicalism. That's not his posture.
1: Um, that's not his position. As somebody who teaches church history, a number of our students go, what is the event? What is the Nicene Creed? And a number of churchgoers do as well. Yeah. <laughs> as well. Sort of a
0: litmus test of orthodoxy, let's yeah. put it that way, in any case.
1: All right. So um,
0: this is a really long article. It's difficult to, to summarize. So I'll try to hit a few points. But um, he begins by talking about how uh, within the last – really since by 2016, uh, that political and public views have caused serious divisions within evangelicalism, not mm-hmm. just uh, sort of institutionally, but even just relationally with between friends. Yeah. That, that people have had friendships lost or fundamentally altered based on disagreements in particular over uh, Trump, uh, handling of sex abuse scandals and uh, race-related issues. Yeah, those are the three issues that he identifies as. These have been the the three most significant catalysts for fracturing of evangelicalism. What's funny
1: is, I think when I init- when we initially talked about this article, I said, "Huh, I want to. I imagine COVID is part of that list as well, mm-hmm. right? That uh, that Donald Trump, sex abuse scandals, and uh, and especially uh, race relations yeah. are are certainly all main stage. But but I would add COVID in there as well." Which, as you read the article, comes out. Like, yeah. Like there's a few times where he mentions mask mandates and things like that as yeah. as dividing right. Christians.
0: Yes. Though this is getting a little so- – but I think part of what's interesting about that is that that doesn't, that doesn't map as neatly across these other issues. Meaning that, for example um, – and I'm not trying to go down this road, but I, I'm just trying to make a point um, – while you might be able to make some measure of correlation between people who tend to be anti vax and Trump supporters, mm-hmm. Trump himself is an advocate for the vaccine, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there's not always these like. So, I, I wonder if that was part of the part of the issue is that that doesn't as cleanly map across the political, um, because ultimately, um, I would say that. While those other two areas are true, if if Brooks was going to weight each of those factors, Trump would be 80 percent of that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And race and uh, sex abuse stuff would be 10 percent each probably mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of the way he frames the article.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. OK, so um, – And those, those things aren't necessarily unrelated.
0: No, either. I'm not saying they're completely yeah. separate. I, I'm just saying – he starts by saying there's three key issues, but the tenor of the article strongly suggests the the fundamental issue is one's posture towards Trump.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that.
0: Um, He goes on to talk about how power is the core problem. Um, and uh, he's got this interesting – it's part of his introduction and I, I think – I, I want to strongly encourage people to go ahead and read the article – yeah, take take the forty five it, minutes. It's, sit down it's and worth uh, it. Um, but it's it's striking. I'm trying to find the line where he, um, where he says this. Uh, he uses the word. There we go. It's. Uh, I'll just read the first two lines of the article. Think of your twelve closest friends. These are the people you vacation with, talk about your problems with, do life with in the most intimate and meaningful ways. Now, imagine if six of those people suddenly took a political or public position you found utterly vile. That's a strong word. That is strong. Vile. Not just wrong, not just misguided, but, I mean, there's all the, like, like, that's a moral assessment. When you say something is vile, you're not just saying, I disagree with that. You're saying, that is, Repugnant to me, mm-hmm. it's disgusting to me that you think or believe fill in the blank. Um, so it's striking that he he starts there. Um, so he he goes on to talk about uh, part of what's happening amid this turmoil is that people are sorting themselves into like-minded political tribes. That's very true.
1: yeah, I think that's absolutely true.
0: and then he highlights these uh what he what he identifies as renewal figures people mm-hmm. who are working to try to renew evangelicalism. Um, but he also mentions people that he uh, identifies as those who have been aggrieved. Basically, he doesn't use this term, but really victims, you might say, of of um, more traditional evangelical perspectives. People like Thabiti Anyubile, Tim Dalrymple, editor at, at CT, Kristen Cobes-Dumay, She's the author of Jesus and John Wayne, Russell Moore, Beth Mm -hmm. Moore, uh, et cetera. um,
1: Yeah, and and I think I would agree with some of those, that some of those have had really, really altering experiences since 2016. Uh, Thabiti, for instance, um, has been disinvited from conferences, uh, has lost a lot of friends for some of the uh, socio-political stances he's taken over the last couple of years. Um, I feel differently. I don't know Tim, da- Tim Dalrymple enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was such such a small figure in the article itself yeah. to, to really know anything. I know I, I highlighted something he said because I, I identified with it. But um, Dume... I don't think there's anybody whose star has risen more <laughs> <Yeah. Exactly. laughs> in the last four years than Dume. uh and and Russell Moore. I think has uh, you know uh, resigned from his position at at uh, the SBC, no longer attends that church, no longer attends that network of churches. I, mm-hmm. I think him and Thabiti are the two. I think I go like, yeah, those guys have lost something. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, so uh,
0: there's a lot more in the article. I'm trying to summarize here uh he brooks goes on to th- to favorably cite uh what he summarizes as tim keller's sort of renewal project for evangelicalism maybe we can yeah we could talk about those bit. yeah but um i also wanted to highlight al moler in his podcast the briefing he does a daily a week, every every weekday a uh, uh, a podcast uh called the briefing he responded to this article because David Brooks, in part, goes after Al Mueller. Yeah, and he does his, mention him in the article. His role at World Magazine and their uh, editorial pages and that sort of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, and we'll link to both these articles, both the David Brooks and the Al Moeller one. Uh, so, there is a paywall, I think, for the New York Times article. I think as long as you haven't hit, you're like you're, three issues get, a month I think or something. You get three, articles a or three, month three articles or three articles a month. Yeah, but I think, but I think right. you can get around that if you just just use a different device, because it's only based on device IP, IP address. IP. Yeah. 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 So, um, okay. So maybe we'll we'll go at it this way. What did you find most compelling about Brooks's criticism or analysis of evangelicalism?
1: So um, some of the things I found compelling or even even things that I identified with, the way he begins the article by talking about – you suddenly realize that people you thought you knew best and cared about the most had actually been total strangers all along. That sort of
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, fracturing that has happened throughout evangelicalism, I feel that pretty deeply. Um, and I think Tim Dalrymple captured it well uh, when he says one of the most surprising elements is that I've realized that people who I used to stand shoulder to shoulder with on almost every issue, I now realize that we are separated by a yawning chasm mm-hmm. of mutual incomprehension. Um, and I would never have thought it would happen so quickly. I I think that that statement rings really true for me that yeah uh there there are a number of people that I I felt like yeah we agree on like 80 90% of things and now it feels like we we agree on almost nothing. Yeah. Um so there's those things I really um agree with. I re- I I do agree with him that um that uh, uh evangelical pastors have found that they're 20 to 40 minutes, he says 20 minute sermon, I would argue 45 minute sermons, uh, are, not an, are not enough to catechize people, and I'm using my words here, yeah. as much as uh, some news outlets yeah. um, can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, what else? But
0: what, I will just, I will say, that's true across the board in any context, not just among conservatives. I mean what I'm saying is regardless of whatever political perspective you have, a 20 to 40-minute message on a Sunday is not enough to overcome whether your media outlet of choice is Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. If you're consuming 20 hours of that a week compared Mm. to 20 minutes on a Sunday, it doesn't matter what I'm saying. So I guess I'm just pushing – he specifically mentions Fox News. He does, and I'm no Fox News defender, but I am just saying it's not like it's only conservatives who are like, who are prone to this kind of. I'm overwhelmed by the media consumption, so it doesn't matter what I hear on Sunday morning.
1: Yes, I think Fox News has a particularly foothold in evangelicalism, though. Like, like I think there is it is more uh, prominent in evangelicalism than I agree with you. That's probably true. Yes, uh, I agree with you that that. Um, MSNBC followers have the same issue, right? They're all twenty-four hour news cycles. At the end of the day, they're all virtually doing the same thing, just from different perspectives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I do agree with that, but I, but I think he highlights Fox News because it is um, it does have a, a greater foothold in uh, the evangelical world. Fair enough. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Dume. so I, I mean. I'm not I'm not a fan of bringing that up um, <laughs> yeah um either. I am a big uh Karen swallow pryor fan so so I enjoy uh Karen swallow Pryor. um and then and then I did uh I did I, for the most part really like Keller's renewal uh project okay. um things for 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 the most part um yeah I think yeah I think I think i I'm, I'm comfortable saying that Okay. What? Uh, yeah. So those are the things I found good and compelling. Would you add anything to that that you would find good and compelling, or anything that you would push back, other than maybe a bit on the the catechesis of?
0: Well, I mean, I think I've got um, I've got plenty of areas to push back, um, but uh, I mean, I think I I think that. Uh, he definitely identifies some of the fractures within evangelicalism. No question about that. Yeah, And I think that, um, as I said earlier, I think the fundamental issue ends up being Trump. That other, other issues are, are important, mm-hmm. but in terms of really busting open the, the sort of cracks that were already within evangelicalism, that was Trump. Yeah. The, I, the whole I, Trump I, phenomenon. I agree. And um, you know, I think um, what what concerns me, what concerned me at the start was, um, well, I'll go a different direction than that. Uh, I think when I read this article, it's not so much that I often disagreed with you know specific points that he highlights. Um. I, what I think I found myself most fundamentally disagreeing with was um, just – he he's very clear on the dangers that he sees of evangelicals seeking to uh, gain political power and cozy up to political power. Mm-hmm. And I say amen 100 percent. That's – that's risky it's dangerous and there are plenty of evangelicals who have sold their soul yeah to the cult of trump yes there are those who have what i think is less often recognized and i think brooks is guilty of is not recognizing that there is an equally powerful temptation to seek cultural acceptability While wanting to remain an evangelical. Mm -hmm. And this is one path to it. That you can try to. Well, I'm not like those evangelicals. Mm -hmm. So part of what rubs me the wrong way about this article is that it feels like another modified version of. And I'm not saying this is I'm saying this is true of Brooks, not true of the individuals that he is. Interacting with in the in the article because I want to make okay. that distinction. Okay. Okay. Because what I'm about to say is gonna could be perceived as harsh, but I think this feels like another version of evangelical has to change or die.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which that's been the message uh, throughout the history of the church. If Christianity doesn't change its its message, it's going to die off. Yeah. That's been constant pressure from the social gospel movement, you know, 150 years ago, all, all the way through our contemporary age. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and I get nervous when you have a chorus when you have a a, a chorus of people who want to say certain elements of e- evangelicalism have to change, and and are not and are so critical of you're trying to seek political power. But aren't self-aware enough to recognize that there's a strong temptation towards, towards pursuing cultural accept, acceptability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of what I see in, in the Brooks article. Now, I'm not saying that's true of the people he's talking about in the article like Tim Keller or KSP, Keren Pryor, uh, or Russell Moore. I'm not accusing them of that. Yeah. And in fact, in Al Moeller's response, I think he goes too far – Mm-hmm. In some of the things he says or at least implies about some of those people that, that Brooks mentions. So I think just to be clear, we'll point you to Mueller's response. I think he goes too far the other direction yeah. in responding back. But – and this is sort of going public with conversations we've had how many hundreds of times privately. I am so tired So tired of failing to make any distinction between people who the the sort of the 80 percent of white evangelicals who voted for Trump as if they're this monolithic, undistinguishable, undifferentiated group as if they're all part of the fringe who are like Trump is practically the Messiah. He's Cyrus, like from the Old Testament. God used Cyrus, the pagan king. So now he's using Trump, the pagan president to, you know save Christianity or whatever, that there's no – and this, this this feels like it comes out to me in this article, that there is no real space carved out for the person who says, I looked at all of my voting options, I held my nose, and I voted for Trump mm-hmm. because the alternatives were worse. And that that lack of space of saying there were people out there who made a a good faith effort to evaluate the circumstances. And at the end of the day, they came to a different spot than David Brooks mm-hmm. and others who can't imagine how anyone could vote for Trump um, and made not a woohoo, we're pro-Trump, but a I'm anti whatever else the other option is more so than I am pro-Trump.
1: And that frustrates me to no end. I agree with you that he doesn't do that. And, and I, I think that would have – Added dimension to his article, even even a paragraph or a few sentences um, would would have added some some good dimension. Because I do think those people are out there. I think where where I disagree a little bit is I think on the size of that group. I, I think that group is not equal in size to the to the very uh, pro Trump Trump is the litmus test for conservatism or even. Uh, uh, conservative theology at times. So like, 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 I think that group is smaller. So, of the, of the, let's think broadly
0: about the circles that we both inhabit. Yeah, the multiple circles. So we're not trying to just highlight one of them. Mm-hmm. What percentage of the circles that we are in? More immediately, I'm not talking about broadly considered, but like within our own communities, our own circles of relationships. What percentage of people in that in that would you say are the rah rah Trump, and what percentage are the best of terrible options?
1: Well, I, I think I think it's not necessarily a binary. Like I think there is you could vote for Trump, you could vote third party, you could like so. There's more than uh, I think in the rah rah. I'm probably I'm probably sixty forty. Sixty forty. You rah, think rah? that of the circles we are in, yeah, in our, sixty are
0: are pro are rah rah Trump. Oh, I completely disagree. <laughs> Do you think it's the other way around? Or are you like? I think it's. I'd struggle to put it at twenty five. Really, rah rah Trump. I'd struggle to put it at twenty five. Really?
1: Yes. Yeah, we have a different view on that. Certainly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and I think we are in pretty similar circles. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, as as I'm thinking of it, like I don't want to I don't want to specify beyond that because I don't want to get into
1: sure sure
0: into a mess. But um, and maybe we're just defining raw raw Trump differently then because I I just don't see it in terms of the like I, I mean I know there are people that are like that, but I could not come up with a list of ten people right off the top of my head in my in my relational circles in the communities I am that I'm like. This person is like rah-rah Trump, like
1: gung-ho, like, yeah, Trump. Yeah, I, I can think of some students. I can think of – I mean, yeah, I, again, I don't want to get into specifics, but yeah, I, I can think of – But you think 60
0: percent of your of your yeah. overlapping circles of community are in the rah-rah Trump
1: crowd? Yeah, where, where Trump is a litmus test, yeah. But that's different, isn't it? I mean, that's how I'm defining rah-rah. Like, like is, is Trump the litmus test?
0: Define what you mean by litmus test then.
1: Uh, you know, are, are you conservative? Are you, um, you know, are you, uh, are you even theologically conservative for, for some? Although I think that's probably a lesser, lesser mm-hmm. extent. But, but uh, are you for America? Are you against America? Like, like, I think Trump has become that litmus test. I think for a majority um, of people... In our circles. Wow.
0: Okay. I fundamentally disagree. <laughs> I fundamentally disagree. But hey, that's part of the, that's part that's of the, part beauty of the of our friendship, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: just for the record, I don't consider you vile for that opinion.
1: Okay. Well, I do consider you vile. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: okay. Uh, we might go a little longer today just because of this. This is such a, a big sprawling topic. Um but uh, I, I do think part of the part of what rubs me the wrong way about the Brooks article as well is it has to me the whiff of elitism. I don't know if you agree with that or not. I think I probably have more sensitivity to some of the elitism than you do. But
1: I mean, it is the New York Times, so so mm-hmm. it is an elite institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean I. I can see that, but but I guess I come in with that knowing the New York Times and right. thinking this is the New York Times. It is what it is. Uh, sure, sure. Um,
0: why don't we hit briefly? Uh, I don't want to go too long, but why don't we hit briefly on uh, on Keller's
1: renewal project?
0: Yeah. Why don't you? Uh, you got, Do you have that handy there?
1: Yeah, I got the bullet points right Just here. Hit
0: the bullet points, and we'll talk about what we think about it.
1: Um, so the first one. Uh, is the Christian Mind Project expanding by a factor of ten the number of evangelicals in graduate schools and the professionals, uh, the professorate, professorate, mm-hmm. in order to make the community more intellectually robust? Um, I, I really like that idea. I, I would love to see us having more PhDs who are evangelicals and, and things like that. I think that's a great, great idea. Any any concerns with that?
0: Uh, Great idea, almost completely unrealistic in my mind.
1: Okay. Um, Too too many gatekeepers. Yeah. Too many
0: gatekeepers to get through for evangelicals in the kind of institutions that we're talking about Mm -hmm. to get into those spots. Yeah. Just to even get the PhDs. Evangelicals would have to hide their views basically, go quiet, stealth Mm -hmm. to get through some of those graduate programs and then keep those views quiet
1: until they – Get tenure or, get something, or something like, like that.
0: Like, again, I'm not critical of the idea. I just think it's completely unrealistic in our current mm-hmm. context. Uh,
1: renewed church planting effort, uh, 6,000 new churches a year. I don't know where he's pulling that number from. I don't either. But, but I'm all for more church plants. Very pro-church planting. Yep. yep. Uh, new campus ministries, university uh, Young Life, I assume Crew also. I assume so. Uh, all four campus ministries.
0: Yeah, I— I don't know what 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 is, what is does a new campus ministry look like that these other institutions don't look like is my question there. Oh. I, I don't know. Is he just talking about add these on to the existing ones or is he saying these other ones are too traditional and we have to start from scratch with new ones?
1: He uses the word stagnant. Now that might be David's word and not Tim's yeah. word, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think they're necessarily stagnant in all situations. I think some – particularly crew. I guess that's the one I'm connected with the most, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty thriving in, in some regions of the country. Yeah, I think it varies, but yeah. Um, I actually like, really like this next one. Uh, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, Protestant social teaching. He goes, Catholics have a public theology that dates back to at least Pope Leo. Uh, Protestants' versions might share 75% of its ideas. But sure. developing that?
0: I, I just don't know what that's going to look like. In other words, uh, that's great, but the advantage the Catholic church has is a centralized authority structure to sort of facilitate that. And there's obviously not that within evangelicalism.
1: Um, A uh, robust understanding of faith and work.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I like that. Big fan. Yeah. We're doing stuff here
0: on campus to try to facilitate that. We are.
1: We are. Vocation. Um, Yeah. Uh, Racial justice. Define your terms. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but good luck. Even agreeing on terminology, and 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 I will just say, I think back to the article. That's an area where it feels like the camps are clearly defined, and no one really wants to interact with the other side in good faith. Mm -hmm. And that you know that's where you see a lot of the division. I think too is we can't even come to the table and and talk about what do you mean by justice? What what does that entail? uh, is the are equity and equality the same? Like those kind of fundamental yeah. definitional questions, we often can't even get to.
1: I think the is equity and equality the same. I think that's a great conversation uh, that might be a good future podcast episode. Sure. Um, uh, a strategy for a post-Christian world. Um, this is about evangelism. He has a small book, "How to Reach the West Again." I think it's what it's called. Um,
0: yeah, I, I do agree that I think uh, a lot of evangelism has to start further back in the process. That you can't just assume a yeah. pre-existing generic Judeo-Christian f- worldview framework to start
1: with. Um, and uh, I was there when he gave the original lecture for the, for that uh, for that little book. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, me and Zach in Ohio uh, were there, <laughs> okay. which was pretty exciting. Uh, and then spiritual formation, um, as Keller puts it we need to really redo Christian education completely. I don't fully understand what that means. Yeah. Sounds, you know,
0: that's a statement I don't even know how to evaluate without. Without more explanation. More explanation. Yeah.
1: Um, although within the we need to redo Christian education completely, he came out with a catechism.
0: The New right? City Catechism? New, C- New City Catechism. Yeah. Uh,
1: which feels like a very old way to do education, right? Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Those those were his things. Uh, for the most part, really, really enjoyed that. W- I want to hear more
0: on uh, the renewal project stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: like I I googled the Christian Mind Project. Mm-hmm. Not out there, <laughs> doesn't exist. <laughs> At least in the in the in the sixty seconds of googling, I couldn't okay. find it. Interesting. So, uh,
0: well, just hit up your friend Timmy K. You guys are tight. Oh, I wish. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, I wish. Yeah. I wish. Um,
0: any any concluding thoughts on on the article on this
1: issue? I encourage people to go read it. Um, it was a, it was a engaging article. I think Brooks is an excellent writer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I think you'll find it thought provoking. Yeah,
0: and and I would encourage people to then correspondingly yeah. read the Al Molar response. Essentially, um, again, I think. If you put them in the room, they're talking past each other slightly to some degree. Yeah, But um, I, I just think uh, reading those two articles together would give you a, a good sense of what you might even kind of call the, um, the basic uh, fissure, fracture in evangelicalism between mm-hmm. um, those who want to push in more um, into newer areas maybe. Or renewal areas, and others who want who would probably define their more fundamental posture as um, preserving what currently uh, preserving a, a pre-existing vision of
1: of evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably fair to say. When you,
0: I, I'm trying to say that very
1: even-handedly. There, I think so. I want to hear more, but maybe off pod. <laughs> okay. All right, we ready to do uh, this day in sports history? Yeah,
0: we better move on. We've already gone long today.
1: Okay. Uh, so February 8th, um, the Ocho de Februario. Um All right, 1945, Paul Brown agrees to coach a new American football expansion team in Cleveland, uh, which would be called the Cleveland Browns. There you go. Um, which later become the Baltimore Ravens, right? Yes. Um, Nineteen sixty. The Celtics, Bill Russell, becomes the first NBA player to record 50 rebounds in a game. That's impressive. That's a lot of rebounds. Though, again, I'll just mention briefly, I feel like in that era,
0: you had like two really great centers. You had Wilt and you had Bill Russell. Yeah. So that maybe there wasn't as much competition. I'm not saying that Bill Russell wasn't great. I'm not saying Wilt wasn't great. But in later eras of the NBA, seven-footers were growing on trees.
1: Um, Bill Russell's still alive, right? Yeah, at least so. I love it when he speaks publicly and like tells NBA players that he would whoop them. That's one of my favorite things watching this old, old African-American man tell NBA players he would whoop yeah. them. Yeah, Um, uh, Spud Webb, five foot seven Spud Webb of it. The Atlanta Hawk wins the NBA slam dunk contest. I do
0: remember that as being sort of an epic kind of, here's this dude that's five, six, five, seven winning a slam dunk competition. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and uh, in 1996, uh, NFL and Cleveland allow Art Modell to move his NFL franchise uh, to uh, to Baltimore, uh, but he had to leave the Browns' name behind. There you go. I realized you gave me a funny look when I mentioned that they became the Baltimore Ravens. I did not realize they were further down this list. A little inclusio there. Yeah, yeah, a little inclusio. Uh, love a good inclusio. <laughs> have you noticed that guys have started to put them in like? I don't know, like articles and, you know, like Jim Hamilton does this mm-hmm. where he'll put it in and be like, try to find this on Twitter.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, which one do you like?
0: Uh, I probably lean towards Spud
1: Web. Spud Web. I can go Spud. You want to go that way? Yeah. It's a good name, Spud Web. Oh, circled the wrong one there. Okay. One thing you liked Uh, over the weekend, we watched a documentary on Netflix called the Tinder swindler. Uh, It was crazy about this guy who meets women on Tinder and rips them off for hundreds of thousands of dollars to live an exotic life. And he has like three or four of these relationships going at a time and just makes money off of them basically. Uh, he is back at it right now, and so the, basically the the profile was to raise awareness uh, the the documentary.
0: <laughs> so it's like a public service announcement.
1: Yeah, but this guy was jet setting all over uh, all over Europe uh, doing this. It, it'd be worth your time just to be like, oh my goodness, because it's a he's really he's a con man certainly, right? But he's really good. Like this isn't like, well, let me bluff you with my personality. But he has like websites built, and mm-hmm. like he's clearly put some effort into this.
0: Oh. Props to him,
1: the Tinder swindler.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: um, and it was uh, it was it was originally broken by a uh, Norway um, news group. Uh, those Norwegians, yeah, yeah, they do hard hitting investigative journalism
0: and are successful at the Winter Olympics. So, yeah, yeah,
1: you know. most medals right now. Yeah, there you last go. I checked. Okay, how about yourself? One thing. All right, so um, little backstory. Um, during
0: the Advent season, my wife and I were given a uh, a gift that was a series of puzzles, small like – they were like probably four by six or five by seven kind of uh, size okay. puzzles. That how, many, used... how many
1: pieces? Like eight, ten? Oh, no, no. More than that.
0: Um, they were probably – oh – at guessing these 50 to 75 okay so it took some time oh, but yeah. it wasn't it's, like it, hours no, no no like like a good a good half hour okay 20 20 minutes 20 to 30 minutes depending on so as a result we decided you know that was kind of fun why not try our hand at an actual like large puzzle a thousand piece puzzle again i'm embracing my old
1: man here yeah empty nesting yeah at its finest yeah
0: and so uh My wife bought a puzzle, brought it home, and uh, we finished it over the weekend. It took a while. You know, just kind of chipping away occasionally in the evenings, working on it for a little bit, a thousand-piece puzzle. That was no joke. Might have been a little bit uh, ambitious at points, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's enough engaging in your mind that it's not feeling like you're wasting time, but also not, you know. Yeah. when your day job is is writing and preparing lectures and that sort of thing it's a it's a different change of pace a little yeah bit. so so I'm embracing my old man life here so a puzzle we, nice we, we completed a thousand piece puzzle nice the, the you know what's frustrating about it one piece is missing I oh. lost one piece and it's like right in the center. Did you check the robot vacuum? Oh, check the robot vacuum. I I, I was like on the floor running my hands across the rug to see if couldn't find it. Hmm. So it's like taunting me. Wow. So really we got 999 pieces of it done. <laughs> yeah. Life in a fallen world. Wow. In any case, we have talked a little bit of Winter Olympics. We've talked about saving evangelicalism. We've talked about Spud Webb winning the dunk contest. We've talked about the Tinder Swindler. Did I get that right?
1: Yes, the Tinder Swindler. Okay. And
0: we've talked Worth about your
1: time. doing puzzles.
0: So I think by definition, we've covered our various topics. Yeah. And we've now crossed the
1: 50-minute where yep.
0: here. So ready to call mission accomplished? I think so. All right. So all that leaves is to say, until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later.